0: This
1: is Camp Life, The Other Side. A bi-weekly podcast for summer camp professionals. Now it's time to explore the other side of summer camp.
0: Welcome back to another episode of Scamp Life, The Other Side. It's Kelly and Shauna today. Alright, and we are going to talk about a pretty heated topic. Uh, So earlier this year, there was a post in the Camp Pros Facebook group, which is now archived. Uh, So if you want the Facebook experience, go see Summer Camp Pros 2.0 on Facebook. But this was in the original archived uh, group, and uh, it was regarding a post about a few young staff. So, we're looking at your young teens. So, this is pre-18 um your your young staff. Uh that they had broken some rules and someone was asking for some feedback on on what to do because as I'm sure all of us including myself have seen, our staff are getting younger and our applicants are not always over the 18 anymore. Yeah. So they had done some things and broken some rules and the person was asking for advice on what to do. Well, I got a lot of backlash (laughs) on my opinion, apparently. I don't know about you, Shauna, but I am under the impression that if someone is let go, that they are done,
1: regardless of age. Yes. I would say that if they were fired and it wasn't just that hey, we're going to take a break this season and we could see about next season. Yeah, they're not coming back. And I do want to state that these weren't just camp rules that were broken. These were laws that were broken. Yes. So it is at a different level, like a camp rule. Sure, you break one, we talk about it. If it's egregious enough to let you go for the rest of the summer, but we could talk about growth over the winter sure but when it comes to laws being broken that is I feel outside of our reach as supervisors um, and that needs to be handled by parents for one it's not it's not for us to teach the child that it was wrong the the con the natural consequence of that is getting fired and that is I believe the most that we can do in that moment other than letting them know like, You're not a bad kid, you made a bad choice. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. this severs our relationship as an employer, but I can be here as your mentor or something like that. But they, you have a responsibility to your camp first and foremost. And that comes down to liability issues at the end of the day.
0: Right, so a lot of the backlash that I was receiving was that I was being too harsh because I had the same mentality. You know, regardless of their age, 15, 17, you know, I don't care if you are 25, 18, or 15, you broke a law. So I believe it they talked about theft and alcohol on property or or I don't know if it was underage drinking or just alcohol on property. Regardless, it was in possession of a minor um and someone who is underage. So I'm sure we all experience alcohol on camp just about every summer, uh, especially overnight camps. At least that's where I saw it mostly. And, you know, it's, it's, in my opinion, it's a fireable offense. You bring alcohol onto camp property where it is a dry zone and you're done.
1: Yeah. I mean, I have never worked at a camp where they were like, yeah, it's totally okay. If (laughs) a counselor who is over 21 years old keeps alcohol like that, we weren't even allowed to have it in our cars, you know? So, Mm -hmm. and if, Somebody got caught with it, it was an automatic fire. There was no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Like you were done. So, if that is a camp policy, that policy also includes underage staff, even more so, right? Because, on one point, it's just bad judgment on the adult to think that they can get away with having alcohol in their car or even worse judgment to think that you can have it in your bunk with campers, but knowing that you're underage somehow getting it and potentially drinking it on campus when you are still a child to the, the caregivers there and local parentis of you, like that is, I, I keep saying egregious, but it's egregious. Like <laughs> You're not coming back from that. Like as much as I, I know that we're in the business of helping children grow from mistakes, um, helping them improve, make better choices. You can't make it not okay for one population of staff and make it an area of growth for the other population just because of their age. Because if you wanna look at it as, well, they're adolescents, anybody under 26 is scientifically considered an adolescent. So. I'm with you on this one. Yeah. And I mean, I, I personally,
0: the youngest I'll hire is 17 at a day camp and then 18 at a, you know, an overnight camp. I mean, that's my personal opinion. The The camp I work for now, they previously hired 14 and 15 year olds because I mean, we're day camp. And I totally understand that day camps do have a, a younger threshold of, of hiring personally, once you get, under 17, with all the labor laws there are, it makes it really difficult. So I stick to 17 and up. That being said, I don't care what age you are. Even if I hire a couple 16 year olds, because they are phenomenal and their maturity level is more mature than some of my 18 year olds, they still all are held to the same policies and procedures at camp.
1: Yeah. 100%. Um, my my youngest teens are 13 that work for me. I shouldn't say work, they volunteer. So they're not, they're kind of like uh, elevated campers, if you will. Like they're still very much like we are, they are our responsibility versus staff where it's a little different. Um, but I work day camp now. So this isn't something that's like really an issue with my staff, but at previous overnight camps that I've worked at, there has been issues like this. And we didn't have like CITs, they were waiters and waitresses. So they had just finished like their super senior year. And then they went into high school for one year, ninth grade. And then they would come back that summer as waiters and waitresses. Um, they would like set up the tables. Are you familiar with this? Yeah. Like, okay, if mm-hmm. you're shaking your head, awesome. Um, <laughs> there was a new building being built at camp, and they uh, created it uh, to be like their hangout. And they were found smoking weed and using it as a, a sex haven. Um, and they all got dismissed from camp immediately. And they were lifelong campers; like they had been there since they were in. Uh, they called it this terrible word. I don't even want to say it, but their first year of camp was uh, a slur for little people. Um, that's what they called them. Oh, my um, God. Yeah. You know, it's private camps. They do things differently. So these were lifelong campers that had been here, and they were never asked back to work at camp. I just, I mean, they're breaking the law is something that's totally different than breaking a policy.
0: Oh, I would agree. But even still... I am of the mindset of if you've been let go for that organization, you're done.
1: Oh, yeah. I,
0: and I know people who have brought back people who I have let go after I was gone and I don't agree with it. I pers- regardless of age, I think it sends the wrong message to them that they can make a big enough offense to be let go from a job That isn't just their, you know, day-to-day, this isn't working out, not a good fit, yada, yada, yada. yada. That's different. I'm talking about you're breaking a policy, you're breaking a rule, whatever, breaking a law, and you are let go. It sends the wrong message, especially to a 15 or 16-year-old, I feel like, that they can totally screw up, that they can break the law and turn around and get a slap on the wrist just for that year and come back the following year,
1: like nothing happened. Yep. And then they have that reputation at camp as the person who can break the rules and still come back. And, Mm -hmm. you know, part of me, you know, I don't like to think that, you know, favoritism exists in the camp world, but of course it does. We build, we're people, we build better relationships with others than some. Um, But what happens if it was somebody that, you didn't particularly have a great relationship with would you approach it from the same mindset of giving them another chance or sorry yeah. one and done you're out you know so you walk a fine line when you're picking and choosing which policies you're going to hold people accountable or which laws you're going to hold people accountable. because <laughs> i believe
0: alcohol possession of- with a, someone under age, especially a minor. And I think the other one was theft. I believe those are both misdemeanors.
1: I mean, we, we all know it's wrong. I mean, <laughs> like, here's the thing. Underage drinking is always going to happen, right? It's, yes. It's a rite of passage. It's something that we all do. It, it is particularly a rite of passage in the United States because mm-hmm. our drinking laws are so much different than other countries. We know that that's going to happen, but like, it could be a misdemeanor in some places and not in others who knows Right, exactly they're they're all going to be different but we know that at least it is an arrestable offense no matter if the charges get dropped or not right and whether or not the police want to deal with that like if you're in new york city and you are possessing alcohol at 18 they don't have time for that they're going to take it from you and let you go but if you're in some small town that sheriff has time mm-hmm. so and that's where a lot of our camps are yep so I don't know I just feel like you're also potentially opening up the camp to litigation when you do that too and a PR nightmare yes and also <laughs> there's accreditation ramifications too with that stuff mm-hmm. so you know when it comes to things like that I really think you need to hold. this isn't a gray area it's not no. When it comes to that small stuff, sure. There's so, like, some- what?
0: So, like, what kind of policies do you think that could be broken, where they get let go, fired in that season, and could be brought back?
1: So, one year, I had a camp team volunteer. We call them CTVs. We have two different team positions: one's paid and one's unpaid. This one was unpaid um this one ctb just had a really hard time staying with his group all day he would get distracted he would see ctbs from other groups and go hang out with them and i had to let him go in the middle of his 5 week commitment and had he not been a senior i would have invited him back the next summer if he, so with being returned, like coming back, they have to be invited back and they have to answer an essay question. We just don't take people back every year. Um, you have to be invited. And I'm pretty sure it's like that in most camps. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would have invited him back and had him answer an essay question about what he learned from being dismissed last year. And something about like how important his role is in camp and why being staying with the group is important. Yeah, that's the one that comes to mind the most. Like I've had to let some of our teens go for some, I want to say serious stuff, but just some like consent issues with the kids, like bringing the kids onto your lap, The kid doesn't want to be there, that kind of stuff and just not getting it. And then of course, just the kids that don't want to be there that, you know, are constantly on their phone. It's just like, this is, this is the best for both of us. Like, you don't want to be here. We don't want you here. You know, it's time to go, but.
0: I think what's interesting, though, with your story is that they were a volunteer, so they Mm -hmm. weren't even a paid staff member. Yeah. And I've let volunteers go before, at least had a conversation of like, hey, you make the choice. We can either part ways now or, you know, if you stay on, you are jeopardizing potentially becoming a paid staff member type of conversation with volunteers. And they usually decide to part ways. So it's not even because they know. And like this past year, I, there was no, I didn't let this staff member go last summer, but I did tell them when they applied this year that, hey, I need you to take a year off just for maturity purposes. But there was nothing that they did that broke policy. There's nothing they did that, you know, broke a law. It's always, for me, it's always been, they just need either a more growing up and mature levels, or like you're saying, they just, They don't wanna be there that year. They've got other stuff going on at home. Their minds are distracted. They'd rather be doing something else. And in that case, like, yeah, it's a conversation during your next interview if they are to apply or be invited back,
1: but they didn't do anything to break policy. For me, it's remaining consistent all the way through. These are the policies. This is what we do here. You break a policy. This is the consequence, no matter who you are. Because if you're not being consistent all the way through, then what are you really teaching to your staff? You're not being a great leader for them in that rep, like that aspect, because you're showing them that if there are certain people, it's okay to break rules or laws in this case, which I still <laughs> can't get over that this was a conversation because it was laws. And like I said before, I'm all for, you know, uh, you know, teaching to the underdeveloped skill. that is that is our discipline policy at my camp that is what we do we have natural consequences or chosen consequences by the kid but we're still teaching to the underdeveloped skill but in these situations where there's theft or underage drinking it's you can't teach to that underdeveloped skill because they've broken trust they're not in it with you anymore exactly
0: yeah they've broken that trust through a choice whereas something such as you mentioned you know sitting a camper sitting in a kid's lap like that's one of our policies too that that's a no-go right like and they just didn't quite comprehend it okay you pull them aside you explain more so into why Mm -hmm. and you document the conversation and if it happens again then Then, okay, yeah, whatever your steps of um, discipline are, you go through those steps. So, like, we have a verbal, we have a written, and then we have potential termination depending on what it is. Yeah, same. So, and something like letting a kid, depending on the age of the kid, we have four-year-olds at camp, so sometimes the kid doesn't understand that, and that's that's a whole different conversation.
1: We're talking uh, about teens here. <laughs> yes, teens,
0: right? And so, Ultra
1: teens,
0: <laughs> teens who are on staff. Yes, yes. So, like for that, that would be a a teachable moment, and a, a
1: and probably a verbal warning that's documented. Like, well, that's the thing too: is how are you going to document document underage drinking as a warning? Seriously, alcohol on campus as a warning. If you're a dry campus, you. You can't document that. Mm -mm. Like, what do you tell parents if you don't? What,
0: think, think about it that way. Like, if you, if a parent says, hey, you know, why, my kid feels more comfortable sitting in a counselor's lap because they were scared of this event. Okay, well, I can explain to a parent that it's our policy to not allow lap sitting because of you know we're trying to protect our staff from potential allegations if something were to you know go one way or another we want to protect the child we want to protect you know like i can explain that to a parent as to why but i can't explain to a parent why we would keep someone who is bringing alcohol onto property who is also responsible for their children You know, to
1: be devil's advocate, the teens technically aren't responsible for the children. But I'm with you 100%. (laughs) To to look at the side of the naysayers that were in the comment sections of this, with knowing that the teens are not responsible for the children, would that affect the way a parent thinks about the situation?
0: I don't know, because... We have to go at this with parents don't always know the workings of camp. It's different because in a parent's eyes, they're going to see it as, regardless of age, and for all they know, that 15 or 16 year old looks older than the 18 year old. To the parent, they just see them as these are the counselors taking care of my kids.
1: I've had situations where at my camp, our volunteers wear a different color shirt. So all of our staff and our CIT, so any paid staff wears red shirts and our volunteers wear orange shirts. And we were hoping that that would like signify to the adults that they're not counselors. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're just there to, like, I always tell our CTVs that they're to model how to be a camper for our campers but I had two CTVs that were amazing. They were like the best in their group. They were awesome. And I got a complaint about them from a parent and I was very floored. I was just like, oh, can you tell me more about the situation? And the parent said, well, they're they're asking my child to keep a secret for them. And I was like, oh, did your child tell you what the secret was? And they're like, no, they didn't. But like, I couldn't make sense of what the secret was but it seemed harmless. And, but you know, just, you know, because kids and, you know, adults need to take it, you know, the parent went down yes. and kind of that role. And I was like, you know what? Absolutely. I'm going to have a talk with them. And I had to go and explain to them, like, hey, you can't ask kids to keep a secret for you, even if it's like a joke between the entire group. Like, there mm-hmm. cannot be any secrets. And they were like, "Oh, okay." And I was like, "Do you know understand why?" I went through like the whole fit with them, and they went out and they talked to the parent later, and they were like, "We meant no harm. This was a secret," which was great. I didn't ask them to do that; they just did it on their own. Their own which I mean, like when I say they were rock stars, they were rock stars. <laughs> but yeah, parents don't know the difference, especially no. when they're you know I, with sleepaway camp. Sometimes the parents don't hear stories about camp until six months later. And you don't know what lens that child saw that story through, Mm -hmm. how they're going to explain it to their family, if they're going to embellish on it, or if they're going to leave out key important details that help put context into it. So, yeah, I think in situations like this, you ultimately need to look at it from how would a parent react if they knew that this was happening
0: mm-hmm. under
1: my watch on my campus yes
0: and I think it's interesting because both you and I have used examples of volunteers right like the volunteers while they're choosing to come here are volunteers like they're not getting paid to do this. this that they come in our own time and that's what you and I are talking about because that's neither of us employ anybody younger uh but I think too it's different if you go at it with the 15 to 17 year olds are paid staff, right? Mm-hmm. Because as a paid employee, we hold um, at least I do, I hold my paid employees to a much higher standard than my volunteers. That 100%. both both still have to respect the policies and procedures, both have to you know uphold a certain expectation of, you know, what their job entails. For my volunteers, if they're minors, I include parents on on emails, right? Like mm-hmm. I will CC the parent on an email, especially for my CITs because those are the only ones I, I really communicate through um, via email is I CC the parents. Yeah. Whereas my paid staff, if you are a paid staff member, regardless of your age, you it is your responsibility to communicate directly with me as your employer. I'm not going through mom and dad or grandma or auntie or whomever. Yes, so if if you are a paid employee and this goes back to breaking the rules like you are old enough to hold a job, you are old enough to communicate directly with your employer, you're old enough to accept the responsibilities and the consequences of your actions on the job. I let I've already let I had let go a staff member Already this year, we haven't even started. So, no paperwork has been signed. They're just applicants still at this point. They have offer letters and that's it because they didn't get information to me by a timely manner. We're overstaffed. I have applicants still coming through my doors wanting jobs. And I had a handful that missed those deadlines. I sent the email and I said, Hey, you have. No longer, you no longer have a position with us because you have missed this deadline. I'm sorry. You may try again next year. They were a returner. They're also 17. They were paid staff last summer. And when they got that email that they were no longer on staff, I got an immediate response.
1: Oh, of course. <laughs> uh, isn't that
0: the way it always happens? Yep. And they went and they filled out the paperwork and they said, hey, I just did it. Is there any way I can still be? No. Nope. I said, you know, part of having a job here is being able to get things done in a timely manner. Are they allowed to come back and try again next year? Yes. They did not break any rules. They did not break any laws. They just merely did not get their stuff in on time.
1: Yeah. I mean, and to some people that might look harsh, but when you're letting people hand in stuff late well after their due date, like a day or two. Sure. Something may have came up, but if it's a week, like that's mm-hmm. impeding you from doing your own job yep. and you're not teaching them anything. You're not teaching them that there's a consequence or that you should be getting back to business emails within 48 hours at the most. Just, it goes back to the, 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 um, underage drinking and the fever we were talking about earlier. You just, You need to maintain consistency and also think about the further ramifications of letting things like that slide. What are you telling them about you as a leader, about you as their boss, about what it looks like to work at other places? Mm -hmm. For a lot of the people who work for this, this is their first job, you know, and I mean, it's a fun job, We're really not setting them up for corporate very well at all, (laughs) but we can at least hold them accountable to the policies and procedures, even more so than a corporation would because we're working with protected classes. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I, I think the accountability piece is so important because if you're not, what else? Like, they'll know that they can do it again, whether it's with you or another organization.
1: And, and maybe not even that again, but something worse. Yes. They're going to, I mean, we talk about boundaries with kids all the time. If you're not setting them, these are still children at the end of the day with our underage volunteers and our underage workers. You're, if you're not establishing good boundaries with them and that boundary line becomes fuzzy, you're just setting yourself up for negligence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, So, yeah,
0: I really, I really think it comes down to accountability seeing you know what the parent's perspective is on if you had to explain to a parent exactly why you are bringing them back like can you explain to a parent why you are bringing them back yeah comfortably and the parents still be okay with sending their child there like because I could explain something all day long to a parent does that mean they're going to still send their child not necessarily uh but I think they still need to feel comfortable being able to send their child there if you explain why you have this person back and potentially put their child with that person. Yeah,
1: and not even just a parent that you have a good relationship with. Right, any parent, new parent, parent. any Any parent. parent that dislikes you the most, have that conversation in your head with that parent. And if that conversation doesn't come out in your favor, then you're making the wrong choice. Yep. You have to hold yourself to a higher standard and you have to hold yourself staff to a higher standard whether they're volunteer staff or paid staff whether they're 15 or whether they're 25 it needs to be across the board i mean i'm not saying that they should have called the cops on these kids that were drinking absolutely or- not
0: i don't think but-, but i think that 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 is your teachable moment for them not just the natural consequence of being fired Is like hey we're not calling the cops because we hope that this is enough For you to know that this is not okay, But we are letting you go, and I would honestly make them tell their parents why they got let go. I wouldn't. I wouldn't call the parents. Phone call. Yeah, they're not. Yeah. (laughs) So I and I think that would be enough to hopefully be enough of a teachable moment because especially for theft. I mean, I know camps who have called cops and gotten the police involved for theft on camp property, whether it be stealing camp property or another staff member's property, like police have been involved.
1: We want to protect children. We want to help children grow, but there's only so much that we can do in an effort to get them to a place where they need to be in order to be successful in life. And that looks like very different from child to child. But when it comes to latent disregard for the rules, or laws I want to stress laws here we lost their trust they've lost our trust and you cannot have that type of relationship with them at that moment because you have a responsibility to your camp your campers and your property
0: I think that's very well said and a great way to wrap this up (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) yeah so thank you all for listening and we will see you in a couple weeks bye (laughs) Ha, <laughs>